Welcome to the Living Hope Church audio podcast. Join us weekly as Pastor Jeff Myers shares from God's Word. If you'd like more information about Living Hope Church of Dixon, California, please visit our website at livinghopedixon.com. Morning. Morning. Good to see everybody. That was great, Jamie. Thanks for the big good morning. Sorry, I forgot it's front of my bike. <laughs> that was good. So, Merry Christmas. Good job. Well, first service, I said Merry Christmas and like two people responded, so I was excited that you guys are on it, dog on it. That's good. So, good. All right. But then again, second service, man, you guys are my people. I like, I like, it's, I like, I like a group of people that are like, yes, we're going to worship God later. That's good. <laughs> Love it. Oh, whoops. I'm... Okay. So it is a Merry Christmas. I'm so excited about this time of year. And it's like that magical time of year when, when um, all day, all night, there's football on TV. It's just awesome. <laughs> awesome. No matter when you turn on TV, you can check out the, whatever, the Preparation H Bowl or whatever else bowl is on. It's, there's, a, there's bowls all over TV. It's good. So that's good. So we are going to finish up our Miracle on Your Street series today. And um, so we, we, this whole series kind of centered around this prophecy from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, where it said, uh, you know, for unto you a child is born, unto you a son is given. And his name shall be uh, Wonderful Counselor, was one of the first name given. We talked about that the first week, how uh, Jesus is, can, and is our, can be and is our Wonderful Counselor because he lived a life like we all live. He was human just like us. Uh, he just did it perfectly. And so he's our, he's our example. He's, he sympathizes with everything that we go through, every temptation and everything else. So he's our Wonderful Counselor. He's, our, he's Almighty God. <laughs> that he is big enough, strong enough to take care of any issue or problem that you're going through. He, you can lean into him because he is God. And uh, he's, so he's a wonderful counselor. He's almighty God. He's everlasting father that we talked about last week, that he is that father that you always wish you had, the good, strong leader that we need in our lives. And then this week, Prince of Peace. He's Prince of Peace. And so we're going to be talking about this idea of, of you know, there's this kind of royal, um, uh, you know, the Bible refers to Jesus in royal terms a lot. In fact, there's, there's, there's like, I don't know how many, um, but probably, you know, over, well over a hundred different names for Christ mentioned throughout Scripture. Not just Wonderful Counselor and Everlasting Father, Almighty God, Prince of Peace, but King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And um, we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Uh, he's the Lion of Judah. He's the, he is the sacrificial lamb. He is, I mean, he is, he, there's name after name after name for Jesus throughout Scripture. And the reason that there are so many names for Christ in Scripture, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just laughing because John just got relegated away from his family. They didn't save him a seat at all. And this is horrible. <laughs> I know you didn't want me to point you out, John. I'm sorry about that. But <laughs> I just love that you were standing there going, okay. <laughs> you can sit up here with me, buddy. All right, all right, good. <laughs> so, um, 
But he, he has so many names given to him throughout Scripture because, because he is the answer to everything that we need in our lives. Everything. Everything. You need a father, he's your father. You need a king, he's your king. You need uh, someone to sacrifice in a way that you can't, he, he's that. I mean, he is ev- he's your savior, he's your messiah, he is, he is everything that you could possibly need in your life. And so we have all, the, all these different names. And we're going to focus in on this one, this Prince of Peace. This, there's this kind of royal theme that goes throughout Scripture where he's called King of Kings or Prince of Peace. There's a, you know, the book of Hebrew talks about him as, said, said he's a guy that was after, in the same way as a guy from the book of Genesis named Melchizedek. Everybody say Melchizedek. <laughs> Melchizedek. Uh, this guy in Genesis that Abraham went and made a sacrifice to, or gave him an offering, they ran into Melchizedek was unique in that he was the he was a king, uh, but he was also a priest. He was he was a priest and a king, and and the Book of Hebrews says Jesus was is like Melchizedek in that he is your king, he is your ultimate authority, he is your leader whom you should submit your life to, but he's also your priest. He is the mediator between you and. And God, and, and, uh, and so, you know, he's called prophet, priest, and king, and that whole thing. So, so as we zero in on this idea of, of Jesus being our, our king, our, our prince of peace, I mean, what, what is that really, what's he king of? You know, what, what is he, the, you know, if, if he's royal, he's got, you know, if he's got a royal nature about him, that would mean that there's something that he rules over. What what is that? What is that? And so, so you know, here, here's the deal. If you if you've been following Jesus Christ for very long, you've probably figured this out. That um, Christianity is at least right now in this country, um, I would say the least popular of all faiths. The least, not, now I'm not talking in, in terms of numbers. We have a lot of Chris, people who say they're Christians in this country. But I'm talking about in just the way Christianity is embraced, it's accepted. Um, we are not a popular bunch. At all. At all. So the, um, a couple of different examples. I mean, you know, there's been stuff all over the news, you know, for months. But then, uh, I'm going to use this example. I, I um, from President Obama's uh, most recent inauguration. This is not a statement about President Obama. I'm just stating a fact. I'm not, I really don't care. I really honestly don't care who you voted for at all. Um, I pray, and you should pray for your president every single day. Um, but go back to his last inauguration. At the inauguration, uh, re- you know, religious leaders from across multiple, multiple different religions were invited to pray at the inauguration. Um, there was a guy, you know, the, the, the representative from us that got picked, uh, a guy named Louis Giglio. I don't know if you know Louis Giglio. He, he's the leader. He's a pastor in the Atlanta area. He's also the leader of the passion movement that, you know, they do the worship CDs, the passion CDs, um, have a big, uh, like conference for young adults every year. The nicest guy, I mean, it, 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 it was a great pick because he is syrupy, sweet, super nice, like, like. There's lots of controversial Christian, you know, loud mouths out there. Louis's not one of them. I mean, he is just, we, they picked our nicest guy, right? 
And, and so he's invited to pray at the inauguration. And then somebody somewhere digs up some, some old talk he had given like 10 years ago where he mentions that you know, a particular lifestyle that the Bible calls it out of sin. And they take, and so since you know, it became news, and then uh, you know, whoever does this sort of thing basically uninvited him from the inauguration. And so we had, you know, everybody, every other faith was offering up a prayer for our president except for our guy. I mean, we had no representative there. You ever, be, you ever, um, you ever do that thing? Um, maybe you're there right now. <laughs> you know that, that there's that weird transitional phase you go through where um, you're kind of in it, like, like it, maybe your late teens or early 20s, you're, 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 you know, you're, you're an adult, but your family hasn't figured that out yet. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and you gather for the holidays, and there's a few years there where even though you're an adult, you get relegated to the kid table. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody else, anybody else here, like, like, as an adult, had to sit at the kid table a few times? Anybody? Really? Just me? Okay. So, yeah, I mean, there is that, there's usually that kind of transition. Jamie and I, one time, we, we went and visited family. This is, I'm married at this time, you know, in my early 20s, married, and, and actually traveled quite a distance to visit family and get there for the family meal, and we still got relegated to the kid table. <laughs> I'm sitting there eating Christmas dinner, like, angry. Are you kidding me? Like, I, I, I came, thousand miles away and you're sitting at the kid table like like i didn't expect a red carpet to be rolled out or anything but i'm a grown married man sitting at the kid table you know it just it just it just rolled all over me and it's just like wow no respect at all and then that, can i just say this this is where this is where christianity in america is today we have lost our place at the main table we're now relegated to the kid table we people don't you know there was a time in this country and, I, and I'm, not talk, I'm not talking good or bad, I'm just stating a fact. There was a time in this country when, by and large, even if you weren't like an active worshiper or an active churchgoer or whatever else, pretty much most everybody in the country kind of fell in line with biblical values. That's what we called, it was a period of time that we called Christendom. In other words, by and large, people um, accepted, you know, Judeo-Christian values as, as a part of their own values and and, uh, and now some, can I just tell you, Christendom is dead. It doesn't exist anymore in this country. Now, it's not, I'm not saying that that's not good, that's not bad, it's just a fact. There are a lot of people who said it should have died a long time ago because what it did was produce a lot of fake people. And so now we live in this state where, uh, or in this place where, um, you know, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, um, you're, you're, you're going to stick out a little bit. The things you believe, the things, the way you live your life is going to stand out because Christendom is dead. Um, and we get a, the, the, kind of this real sense as followers of Jesus Christ, we have this kind of real sense that we kind of don't even really know where we fit into society anymore. Now, uh, kind of a flip side of that coin, there's also this uh, feeling that most of us experience at some point in our life, usually kind of that same kid table transitional phase, um, where we, we kind of go through maybe months or years of wrestling with there's got to be there's got to be more to life than just this life I'm existing in right now. 
there's got to be more to this than just, you know, whatever it is I'm doing. It seems like I should, seems like there's something I'm missing. And you start kind of searching and the whole book of, uh, Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes is about this, where uh, Solomon the king goes searching for meaning in life. He searches in, you know, frivolous relationships. He searches in, uh, you know, wealth, uh, work, all kinds of different things. And the answer is the same. After each of those searches, the answer is the same. Meaningless, meaningless, everything. Everything is meaningless. He can't find it. He can't find that meaning anywhere. And there's this sense in a lot of us that something is off. Something is wrong. And I'm, there's, I, I, I got to find out what it is that's missing. And for those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, um, genuine followers of Jesus Christ, we've realized that that thing was Jesus. That life makes sense spent in worship of Jesus Christ. It makes sense. And I would even go further to say that I think there's something hardwired into the DNA of, of all humanity that causes us that, that produces a need for worship. We all are worshipers, every single human on this planet. There is something in us that requires us to worship something. And that something will either be, you know, the object of faith, or it will be your spouse or your kids, or it'll be a sports team, or it'll be, you know, any your work or any number of different things. But it that you will worship in your life in some way. And if you are that one, you know, that is, is out there searching for meaning, so where do you fit in, that sort of thing, until the object of your worship is Jesus Christ, that search will continue. That search will continue. And there's, there's this, um, <coughs> well, okay, so this, this world that we live in, if you haven't figured it out, is not our home. This world is not our home. Um, that we have a home, but it's not this place. It's my, my favorite song, my all-time favorite song is an old hymn, like an old kind of backwoods hymn um, that a lot of southern churches, you know, I grew up in kind of sang and stuff like that. And it's called This World Is Not My Home. I, I hope they sing it at my funeral someday. Uh, so learn it so you can sing it. And, um, but it is, uh, I mean, I'll just, I'll, I'm going to sing it for you real fast. Um, so we can all feel awkward together. Okay. <laughs> it just goes like this. It goes, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. And the chorus goes like this. Oh, Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then, Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. So that's the song. Okay? So... No, no, stop. Not looking for applause. I'm just making a point. We're still in a sermon here, okay? So, um, no. (laughs) Not Casey Kasem. I don't do requests. So, 
Only half the room got that, and most of you don't know who Casey Kasem is. So, all right. <laughs> anyway, um, so there is this there is this concept. There's this there's this fundamental nature of being a follower of Jesus Christ, where <coughs> that this world is not our home. It's not. Um, the the tricky thing about actually believing that is that this world is pretty awesome. Like, it's pretty good. And especially our little corner of it. You know, here in, you know, California, living here in the greater Dixon Metroplex, it is, I mean, there's a lot of awesome around us. I mean, I'm driving towards Davis the other day, I see snow-capped mountains in the distance. It's awesome, right? You guys take that for granted. I'd I didn't grow up around mountains, so it sticks out to me, you know. And so, or you see, I mean, the, the amazing sunsets when you go to the beach or, or you know, just all the high country and the desert country and the tr- big trees. I mean, just we live in this place that is unbelievable. And then beyond just the physical nature of it, we live in this place where, <clears throat> by and large, we are an affluent people. We, I mean, we have, if you are too warm... There's a button in your house to make that stop. That's awesome, right? If you are too cold, there's a, I mean, I don't know why you would ever be too cold, but there, but there is, I mean, you, you can change that. You can, um, you know, if, if some of you, some of you bought cars that will warm your butt, Right? And you're griping that you have no money, right? But you have a car that warms your butt. It's a good life. It's a good life, right? Your life with your family. I love life with my family. I love dreaming about their futures and, and seeing you know who my kids are growing up to be. I love this act of growing old with my wife and, and seeing her become more and more beautiful to me every single day. I love... This life. And if you're not careful, and and by the way, it's okay to love this life. It's okay. God created it for you to enjoy. I believe that. But enjoy it as a tourist. Enjoy it as a tourist. This world is not your home. And if you get so comfortable, I think one of the most dangerous things we as Christians can do is get comfortable in this place and forget that we are destined for another. This world is not our home. And so enjoy it as a tourist. But don't take your eyes off the fact that Christ is leading you to another place. All throughout Scripture, there are these references to the kingdom. Uh, let, me, let me read some Scripture. First <coughs> uh, Timothy. Look at First Timothy chapter 6. First Timothy chapter 6. Uh, start with verse 12. Paul tells Timothy this. fight the good fight of the faith take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you were made about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses i charge you in the presence of god who gives life to all things and of christ jesus who in his testimony before pontius pilate made the good confession remember that statement we're going to come back to it to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
which he will display at the proper time, he who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Amen. And Paul is telling Timothy here to, to, to fight, the fight, fight the good fight. Don't lose faith. Don't lose sight of the fact that you are not under the uh, 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 authorities of that, that, that you have. You may be under a Caesar. You may be under a king. But ultimately, you serve another king. Ultimately, this world is not your home. So don't lose heart. Keep going forward. Don't get distracted. And he, say, he, he draws this reference here. Where he says, I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession. So I want, I want to look at that confession. So turn over to John 18. John 18. Start with verse 33. John 18, 33. So this is Jesus on trial. Um, and Pilate, the leader, the Roman leader in, in Jerusalem at that time, Pilate is trying to decide uh, what he's going to do with Jesus. He's been brought up on some trumped-up charges. What should he do with him? And, and uh, Pilate can't quite figure it out. So he starts questioning Jesus. So Pilate, verse 33, Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord? Or did others say it to you about me? And Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Uh, in other words, I really don't care. Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? And this is Jesus' answer. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom <coughs> is not from this world. <coughs> my kingdom is not from this world. That... There is a kingdom, and Jesus makes reference to this kingdom all through his teaching, where he's like, you know, the kingdom of heaven is like this, the kingdom of God is like this. If you want to be, if you want to go, if you want to be a part of the kingdom of God, you must do these things. And, and this is what you need to know. Put up, that, put up that next slide. That our home is the kingdom, and we will live and die for the king. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, this needs to be your heart's cry. My home is the kingdom, and I will live and die for my king. I will live and die for my king. And when you embrace that kind of philosophy, it is, it, is an, it is a game changer in your life. This world that we exist in, the powers of this world that we're called even to submit to, ultimately are all under submission to the kingdom and its king. And that is Jesus Christ. That is Jesus Christ. And so we will do everything in our power. We will do everything that, that we possibly can do to submit ourselves to Jesus as the one and only ruler, the one and only Lord of our lives, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Prince of peace, Jesus Christ. He is our King. And we exist in His kingdom. Now there's a lot of confusion over the whole kingdom thing. What does it mean, the kingdom of God? And is He talking about heaven? What's going on there? The kingdom, if, you look at, if you look at Scripture and the way Jesus taught about the kingdom... Basically, the kingdom wasn't so much a place as it is just a way of doing life in Christ. It's a way of doing life in Christ. And that way of doing life in Christ will ultimately be fulfilled in eternity. But for now, we exist right now in His kingdom. And also are looking forward to His kingdom that is to come. And we will serve our King 
Because he alone is worth it. Because he alone is worth it. And so what I want to do is challenge you as, first of all, as followers of Jesus Christ, to embrace the idea that this world is not your home, that you are a member of a kingdom, and I will live and die for my king. I will give my life to him as much as I possibly can. There's this concept, uh, uh, you know, that was kind of a medieval concept that we even hear it today, but there, there, the, a phrase uh, called, uh, you know, I serve at the pleasure of the king. I serve at the pleasure of the king. People who worked for the kings would say, we, we even hear it today with our president, cabinet members of the president will say, I serve at the pleasure of the president of the United States. And what that means is that whatever he needs me to do, whenever he needs me to do it, I'm there, I'll do that job. I serve at the length of time that he needs me to serve. I am completely at his pleasure. I serve at the pleasure of the king. And we need to be followers of Jesus Christ who have that same mentality that of God, wherever you need me to go, whatever you need me to say, whatever you need me to do, I serve at your pleasure. How, however, you want my, however long you want my service to be, however long you want my life in service to you to be, I serve at your pleasure. Do whatever brings, do in me whatever brings you the most glory. I serve at your pleasure. And I want for us as followers of Jesus Christ to take on that mentality that this you know, we get really caught up in, um, we, we, we love, like, we love making biblical things um, cute, right? We love that. Uh, Matt and I talked about it in a podcast the other day, but it is, uh, we do this with Christmas, and we really focus in on, you know, we do the whole Ricky Bobby, you know, dear Lord, baby Jesus, you know, that sort of thing. We, we really focus in on the whole baby thing, and and that's fine. I mean, it's you know everybody loves a baby, but we do this. We we kind of cute up the Bible where it's really like like people. My favorite example is when people will decorate their their little nurseries in their homes with Noah's Ark, and and you know you got because why not? It's it's animals in a boat. How cute, right? And it's also like millions of corpses floating in the water around the boat. It's not a happy story. Is not a happy story at all. And so we cute up the Bible. We pick out the cute parts and, and we focus on those parts and, you know, that sort of thing. And we do this with Christmas where we really focus on the baby. And I'm telling you, Christmas is not so much about the baby as much as it is the man who was born, who would be our Savior, who would be our King, who is our King. Don't lose sight of the fact who it is you have been called to serve. And everything that he has become for you, he is the answer to every problem you have in life. He is, you can find, as the Bible says, your sufficiency in Christ. He is sufficient for all of your needs, for all of your needs. Now, for those of you in the room that are maybe kind of on the outskirts of the faith and you're, you know, you're not sure, (coughs) you're not sure whether to believe this or whether to put your faith in Christ or... (coughs) You know, it's like, uh, you just don't, you don't want to, you're not ready yet. You, I I don't want to, I don't want to be a Christian because that's what my parents want me to do. (laughs) Or I don't want to be a Christian because I, I, I've seen what Christian, how Christians behave. And I really don't want to be lumped into that group. Um, I don't want to be a Christian because I, 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 I'm not ready to clean myself up yet. You know, whatever, whatever your reasons are that you're, that are going through your head. You don't want to be a Christian because 
because you can't scientifically prove it. Um, can I can I just can I just say this that <coughs> there are there are certain things about faith. I mean, they don't call it faith for nothing. Okay, and there are certain aspects of our faith, of any faith for that matter, even of science, by the way, that can only be seen through a step of faith. There are certain aspects of our faith that can only become clear through a step of faith. And if you're waiting for all the evidence to come in and it just become crystal clear to you before you make that step, you may be waiting a lifetime. But I can tell you this, and other Christians in this room can tell you this too, that there were times that we, in, 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 even in our own lives, doubted. And if we're honest, there are even still times where doubt creeps in. And that doubt is only erased by a step of faith. And it's, it's this weird thing where we take a step towards God Kind of, kind of into the unknown. Kind of into the unknown. Like, okay, God, I'm going to trust that you're who you say you are. I'm going to trust that you'll do what you say you, you will do. And as we take what feels like kind of a blind step of faith towards something, God meets us halfway. And suddenly things, be, suddenly things become clear. They, they, just, they just become clear. It's like that awesome scene from... Indiana Jones, you know, where he's got to cross the bridge that he can't see? Awesome. Love Indiana Jones. I, I, now I'm on a side trip. Side trip. So anyway, it is, it is, like, it is like that. We, we have to step out. We have to step out. Now, for some of you, faith comes easily. In fact, faith is one of the spiritual gifts. And there's some of you who, who have that spiritual gift of faith where it's just easy for you to kind of step out on faith and trust God. <coughs> for the rest of us, um, it's a little more difficult. We, we need a little more evidence. We need to be able to make sense of things. <clears throat> but I can, I can tell you this. I, I'm, not, I'm not calling you to take some sort of blind step of faith for no reason. I, I'm telling you, and I promise, if you start asking the followers of Christ that are seated around you or the ones that are in your family or whoever brought you here today, that when you take that step of faith, you will find a clarity that you weren't expecting. You'll find a clarity that you weren't expecting. That God has this way of meeting us when we step out and step towards him. He meets us in really unexpected ways. It, it's because he's changing our heart. He changes us from the inside out. And it's just awesome. It's awesome. So, I want to challenge you to make that step of faith. I want to challenge you to allow this Christmas to be about what it is supposed to be about, which is the fact that God came when we needed him. That we were in need of a Savior, and God showed up. And God showed up. And I want you to Allow yourself to believe maybe where you've never believed before. Take a step of faith. Can I ask you this question? What do you have to lose? Seriously. What do you have to lose? 
if you step out in faith, because this is what I know. God is chasing you. And you feel him chasing you. You do. I know this. You know why I know this? Because you're sitting in church. Wake up. God is chasing you right now. You think it's an accident that you're here? Unless your friend just tricked you into saying, I'm going to take you out for donuts this morning and brought you here. It, it, is, it is no accident that you are here today. God is chasing you. And this is just allow yourself to be caught. Allow yourself to be caught. Step out on faith and see if you don't get some clarity. See if you don't. This is why um, it's not, it's not easy. It's not, it's easier. But it's not easy. Jesus said, uh, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden for my, my, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My yoke is easy and my burden. And what he's referring to is it's kind of a double reference. The yoke he's referring to has nothing to do with eggs. It was a, um, it was, it's a, it's a wooden kind of plank type thing that would go across the back of a pair of oxen or cattle or whatever. And it was used in pulling a plow. And so, and so there's a, there's kind of an agricultural reference, but there's all, there was also a religious reference there that the rabbis, the teachers of that day, uh, they all had their own kind of interpretation of scripture and how scripture should be lived out. <coughs> and so some rabbis were very legalistic and there were lots of rules in the way you should live out your faith and some not so much, whatever, but that their, their teaching their way of doing life, according to Scripture, was referred to as that rabbi's yoke. And Jesus is saying, my yoke is easy. I'm not here to pile rules upon rules upon rules. I'm here to set you free. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. But don't lose sight of the fact that it's still a yoke. It's still a burden. It's still a yoke and it's still a burden. It's just easier it's easier. I'm not promising you an easy life. I'm promising you a life that will, you'll get some clarity. That God will meet you when you step out. And I promise you a life that will suddenly make sense in your search for, the, for what life is all about. That, that's, that's the Christian life. A life spent in service. That's pleasure of the king. And I'll live and die for him. I'll live and die for him. So that's it. Merry Christmas. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And uh, you are so good. And your word is good to us. Um, God, for those of us who lose sight of the fact that we live in your kingdom and we serve you. For those of us who hold on to this foreign land that we live in and call it home when it's not our home. We lose sight of the, the direction that you're leading us. Would you please forgive us, God? God, would you course correct where we need to have our courses corrected? And um, God, we look forward to finding our home in, in your kingdom. Thank you for coming to the rescue when we needed you to come to the rescue. God, for those of us in the room that are having trouble with the faith thing and stepping out the way we need to step out, God, would you give us faith where we have none?
<coughs> would you help us to realize that that you are present right here, right now, calling us closer to you. God, would you help us not to resist that call, but just, just simply to embrace it. Help us to get rid of any idea that we have to clean ourselves up for you, God, and just simply accept the free gift of grace that you give us. Thank you for loving us the way that you do. Father, you are good. You alone are worthy of our praise, and so we give it to you this morning, and we just... Uh, we declare you as King of kings and Lord of lords and our Prince of peace. And we love you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.